Heavenly Father, we want to take this opportunity to congratulate you for the good work done on behalf of your saints here this morning for bringing us to an end of a week and for giving us the grace to encounter the coming week. And that is why this beautiful Sunday morning, your children, both young and old, men and women have gathered to ascribe nothing short of honor and glory to the name of the Lord. We pray that you inhabit the worship of your people and take preeminence in every facet of this meeting. That at the end of the day, it shall be said that unto you shall the gathering of your people be. Take charge of today's service and let Christ be made manifest in this house in the name of Jesus and everybody in here shouted a very big amen your amen is too weak shout a very big amen talk to about five or ten people welcome them into the presence of the lord tell them you believe that something marvelous will happen in their lives and that god shall encounter them this morning tell somebody something tell them something bless them bless somebody this morning bless somebody this morning Bless him, bless her this morning. Hallelujah. We are still touching on the subject of worship. I promise you, majority of the people, by the time they are here, service shall be over. Amen. I'm changing my time, so get it well. We are still dealing with the subject of worship. Tell about five people, worship, worship, worship. Tell about five people, worship, 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 worship. The hour has come and now is when the true worshipers of the Father shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. I've already established this fact that you could be a very great singer but a very bad worshiper. Being a singer doesn't make you a worshiper. There is a clear difference between worship and singing. But unfortunately, we have a generation of good singers, but bad worshipers. But I pray that after this encounter, God will raise you up from being a singer into becoming a worshiper. Ask about three people in this house. Ask them, are you a singer or you are a worshiper? Don't, don't, don't be overtaken by how good your voice is. Because hear this, there are angels in heaven who sing better than you do. And so it is not just about your voice that God wants to hear. It is about your worship that God wants to receive. Ask about three more people. Are you a singer or you are a worshiper? Oh, come on, ask your neighbor. Ask your neighbor. Are you a singer or you are a worshiper? And I've already established this, that in true worship, Singing is manifest. Singing is part of worship. You've got to sing. And I told you that singing is part of worship, but singing is not all there is to worship. Tell your neighbor, singing is part of worship. But singing is not all there is to worship. And I told you how the Bible admonishes us to sing. How the Bible tells us to worship God in our singing when you lift up your voice and you worship him by singing. And also the second aspect of worship 
The first aspect I told you that the Greek, the Greek means ado, and the Hebrew means sheer, and it means to lift up your voice. It might not be a very good one. It might not be treble. It might not be bass. It might not be baritone. But so far as you lift up your voice in worship, God is not interested in the quality of your voice, but God is interested in how you worship him with your own voice. So worship God. Forget about how bad your voice is. Watch this, watch this. There are some of us with very good voices, but very awkward worship. And so God expects you to sing. The second aspect of worship is to, to the Hebrew said, Saugad, and the Hebrew, uh, the Greek means to proskonua, and that is to lie prostrate before the Lord and worship him. And that is what the 24 elders and the four living creatures do daily. The Bible says that they lie prostrate. They proskonua at the feet of Jesus. And what they say is that holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. I have told you that if you worship, it doesn't matter how many times you sing. If you have never proskonua, if you have never lie prostrate at the feet of Jesus, then you are not a worshiper. You are a singer. And remember this, I've already established this, that worship is to lose consciousness of yourself and to let him gain consciousness of your life. When you are no more present, you are absent, but he is present. When I've told you this, when you don't care who is in church and who is out of church, when you don't care what you wore to church, but all you are interested in is to lie prostrate, is to proskonua at the feet of Jesus. And the third thing I spoke about is Sebomaya. Sebomaya, which of course I told you is used 21 times in the New Testament. And the relevance of this, Sebomaya, the relevance of it is to be in awe and to be emotional in your worship. And that is how at times when you come before the Lord and you begin to sing. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, tell me where would have been, where would have been. And then you begin to sing it to worship the Lord and, and you begin to fall down and you are lying prostrate at the feet of Jesus and then you are Bursting out in tears, and your neighbor may not understand it, but your maker understands it. Oh, I don't like the way you are clapping. When, 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 when you evaluate, when, 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 when you value his goodness towards you, and you cannot hold your tears, but you want to burst out in tears. I told you last week that some of you, it is true. Your father died, you never cried. Your mother died, you never cried. Your aunties died, you never cried. You are in pain, you never cried. I understand it, but when you come before his presence and you are shaking emotionally, you cannot hold it, and your friend, friend cannot understand it. Why? Because you are being covered with the presence of God, and you cannot hold your tears. In fact, you don't choose to cry, but the worship hits you emotional. And by the time you know, tears have started dropping on your cheeks. Am I talking about true worship? If, you, if you've never, if you've never bowed down, then, then you've never been in worship. If you've never burst out in tears, 
then you have never, never been in worship. Praise God. And as we get into the dynamics of worship, you will understand that the church has become a singing place, a singing hub, when it has to be a hub of worship. If you've never sung, if you've never, I told you how some of you feel that you come to church and you feel that being silent and mute makes you a gentleman. Some of you come to church and, and, and you are told in school, in Holy Child, in Wesley Girls, that when a lady is talking, you don't have to open your, 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 your teeth for everybody to see. So when you are, it's time to worship. You want to be a lady in the house of God? Tell me where you would have been had they not been. When the doctor said you were not going to make it. When everybody said you were a failure. When they said there is no way you can finish your education. God out of his infinite mercy showed up in your life. And today he has given you beautiful ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. And the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Don't allow the worship leader to tell you what you've got to do. Lie down when you feel like lying down. Cry when you feel like crying. Be posture at the feet of Jesus when you feel like doing so. You better give him some good praise. Give him some good praise. Give him some good praise. To be emotional means synchrony between your words and your actions. Synchrony between the words that you are telling the Lord and your actions. Example. Then he sits down when the whole church is in worship and yet he's not in pain. This is not true worship. It should be so emotional to an extent that there should be synchrony between the words that you sing and the actions that you are portraying to the Lord. Because don't forget that we are encompassed around with so great a cloud of witnesses. Hallelujah. And so there is a synchrony between the words that you are giving to him and the actions that you are exhibiting. And in it, I'm touching the lifting up of your hands in worship. Psalm 143 verse 6. Psalm 
143. We are reading from the sixth verse. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul tests after thee. You see, you have to understand this. When we talk about the soul, we are talking about your will, your emotions, and your intellect. Your will, your emotions, and your intellect. And so, the writer of the book of Psalms is saying that I will first of all lift up my hands unto the Lord. And then my soul will follow after it. And give, read it again, read it again, read it again, read it again. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. The psalmist said that he will stretch forth his hands unto the Lord. Which means that he cannot just come into the presence of God and it's time for worship. And then he's pocketed his hands and, and everything is damp and everything is mute. And everything is so funny and everything is so, is so, is so negative. But he said, I will stretch forth my hands unto the Lord. Read it. My soul tested after thee. And then he said, and then he will he blend it with his will, with his emotions, and with his intellect, so that it also tests after the Lord. And so by the lifting up of your hands, there is an exhibition of test and hunger for your soul. Psalm 95 verse 2. Psalm 95 verse 2. Psalm 95, verse 2. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. And then the original for that thanksgiving meant toda. 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 In the, in the Hebrew, it means toda. And you see, toda is derived from the verb yada. Yada. It's a doing word. It's a verb. And this is what it means. Yada means that you break out of yourself and you lift up hands to heaven. So this particular thanksgiving that he said meant toda in the Hebrew. And it is derived from yada. And so he says you break out and you lift up hands to the heavens. Your hands, your arms, your fingers, and your hands. Some of you underestimate the significance of your fingers. Let's get into Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 10. Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 10. Deuteronomy chapter 9. We are reading from the verse 10. And the Lord delivered unto me two tablets of stone. And Moses is speaking. And then Moses says that the Lord delivered into my hands two tablets of stones. Written with the finger of God. And the Bible says that God inscribes on the tablet of stone with his own finger. So understand that the finger has the power to write. John chapter 8 verse 6. John chapter 8 verse 6 we are reading from the verse 6 mm -hmm. this they said tempting him that they might have to accuse him but Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not the Bible says that they come to Jesus with a question to, to sort of you know convict him 
And then the Bible says that when the question is put up, he began to write with his finger. Understand that the finger stands for a statement because the Bible says, Jesus said that if I by the finger of God cast out devils, then it means that the kingdom of God is come into you. So whenever you see the finger, we are talking about a statement. We are talking about an inscription. And so you may never know as your hands are lifted up, there is an inscription that is being made on the corridors of heaven as we come before the presence of God and you lift up hands, you are inscribing on the corridors of heaven. Psalm 8 verse 3. Psalm 8 verse 3. Psalm 8 the verse 3 when i consider thy heavens the work of thy fingers watch this watch this he's not talking about the works of the hands of god here we'll touch on his hands very soon but he's talking about the works of the fingers of god and then david is saying that i consider everything and i also consider the works of your fingers so whenever you see the fingers up a statement is being made an inscription is being put up and then let's jump over to Isaiah chapter 40 verse 12 Isaiah 40 verse 12 Isaiah chapter 40 the verse number 12 who had measured the waters in the hollow of his hand the bible says that god after making statements with his fingers he weighs the volumes of the waters in his hands so the hands is a form of evaluation when you have evaluated your life when you have watched the ups and downs of your journey when you can fathom the awesomeness of God and you want to give it all to him and make a statement with your fingers and so whilst we are in church we begin to worship I surrender to you everything But you are making an inscriptions on the corridors of heaven. There are, you see, I told you the other time that the most vocal voice is the silent voice. It is not everything that the composer of the songs could put together in the composition of that song. But then as you begin to sing, there are some statements you could make, not with the voice of your mouth but the inscriptions of your hands. As your hands are lifted up, you are telling the Lord, evaluated the journeys of my life. I have evaluated the mistakes of my life. I have evaluated the grace of your journey with me. Your mercies confound me. And so when you lift up hands, 
you are making statements in heaven. Psalm 144, verse 1. Psalm 144, verse 1. Psalm 144, verse 1. Bless the Lord. Bless be the Lord, my strength. Bless be the Lord, my strength. Which teaches my hand to war. Which teaches my hands to war. And my fingers to fight. And also my fingers to fight. And so remember this, that whenever you come to God, you may not be talking about your experiences, but whenever your hands are lifted up to God, you are making a statement that if I fought a battle and I succeeded last year, it was not because I was strong. It was not because of my education, but there was a God that lifted me up from a miry clay. So when your hands are lifted up, you are making a statement that he taught my fingers to fight and my hands to all. True worship. Exodus chapter 17 verse 11. Exodus chapter 17 verse 11. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. You see, whenever you are, you see, worship is unto the Lord. But ladies and gentlemen, whenever true worship ascends up to God, warfare, warfare is in motion. Tell your neighbor, when true worship ascends up to God, warfare is in motion. Because listen to this, whenever your hands are lifted up, the Amalekites might be greater than you. The armory of the Amalekites might be more sophisticated than your armory. But watch this. Whenever your hands are lifted up, there is a battle that is being won. It may not be a present battle. It, is not, it may not be a battle that you can visibly see. It may not be a battle that might be with you. You might be in the valley. The battle may be on the mountains. Or the battles may be in the valley. And you might be on the mountain. But with the lifting up of your hands, it doesn't matter where the battle is. You begin to win the journey. And as you come into the house of the Lord, and it's time for worship, and you are making statements with your hands lifted up, there is a battle that is being won. There is a battle that is being won. There is a battle that is being won. In Matthew chapter 14, the verse 22 downwards, it's an interesting account. Matthew chapter 14, the verse 22 through the verse 33. Please read it for me. Matthew chapter 14. We are reading from the verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him, saw Jesus walking on the sea. They were troubled. They were troubled. Saying. And this is what they said. It is a spirit. This is not Jesus. This is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. And then all of them began crying out for fear. But straightway. But Jesus, instantly, immediately. Jesus spoke unto them saying. Jesus responded to them saying. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Tell about five people. Be of good cheer. 
Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Get off your seat. Talk to about five people. People you have never spoken to in the house today. Speak to them. Tell them, be of good cheer. Tell them, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Read it, sir. Be of good cheer. Yes. It is I. Be not afraid. And when, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. Peter said, if truly this is you, command me to come. And as you walked on the water, I can also walk on the waters. And instantly Jesus responds and tells Peter, walk on the sea, come, come to me. Read it. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. And he began walking on the waters to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, but then when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Peter was afraid. And began to sink. And he began to sink. He Fear cried, will make you sink. Read it. He cried, saying, And then he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. This is a sinking man. A man that was full of faith. But I just lost his faith. His faith had just depleted. And for that matter, he was sinking. In the waters, he began to sink. And then he realizes the need to call back the man that instructed him to walk on the seas. And instantly he calls on him, Master Jesus, save me. Read it. The verse 31. Uh -huh. And immediately... And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand. Jesus stretched forth his hand. Remember, it means that all this time that Peter was drowning, his hands were lifted up. Ladies and gentlemen, you only drown when your hands are down. But if you can lift up your hands, it doesn't matter how deep the waters are. He shall stretch out his hands and lift you up. Whenever we are in the presence of God and we get into an arena of worship, as your hands are lifted up, you are making a statement in heaven that not by might, not by power, but by the strength of the Almighty God. And when your hands are lifted up, you are telling the Lord, I cannot be missing. I've got to be located. I've got to be located. It doesn't matter the tumors of life. I believe that even as my hands are lifted up, a statement has been made. So this is how it works. As you come before his presence and we begin to worship. I surrender to you. Everything I give to you withholding nothing withholding nothing I give myself away do you know do you know that under the UN rules and regulations it doesn't matter how bad your enemy is when you are in battle and then an enemy realizes that they are not strong enough and they lift up hands and they surrender. When you shoot them and kill an enemy that lifted up his hands, you might be inducted, indicted in the law courts. How many of you know that? So it means that whenever you lift up hands, it is a sign of total surrender. 
You see, when you lift up hands, it is to make a statement that I have a husband, but you are my all in all. I have a wife, but you are my all in all. I have I am in a business. I, I do my business. I am the boss, but you are the boss of all bosses. I may be the best of it all, but you are the I am the lion of the tribe of Judah. Never come into the presence of God when it is time for worship and your hands are down and your fingers are down. But as we come before him, bow down before him, lift up your hands, lift up your fingers, because you are making a statement that it is of the Lord's mercies that you have not been consumed. I pray that this church doesn't become just a church of singers where, where, where worship becomes part of the program, of the itinerary. I told you last week that we don't close our, our eyes in church because the Bible said it. But you close your eyes to control your environment. Because if you are not careful and your eyes are open and you are telling him he's the all in all. And somebody walks in with a shoe you had spotted over the months. If you are not careful, it will take your mind from the all in all. And so you close your eyes so that you control your environment. So that the only thing you see within your environs is the presence of the Lord. And that is what the Isaiah said. He said, he beheld the glory of the Lord. And his garment was like that of the garment of the heavens. And the Bible says, I cover the seas of God both to the left and to the right. And even as you close your eyes, you begin to assume. You begin to focus on the greatness of our God. And then you begin to worship him. If you feel like lying down, you lie down. If you feel like kneeling down you kneel down you've never knelt down in worship I came to make this statement to you that you have been singing but you have never worshipped if I don't ask you to clap and you clap you better clap well are you understanding through worship are you ready to worship are you ready to worship I surrender all to you
Oh, you got. But the Lord is worthy. The Lord is worthy. Sing it. Oh. 